morning, church. I'm back again. Today, I'm going to continue with the second part of the series of the hospitable God. So last week, I said to us that God is wanting to press the reset button. And this time, is a great reset in a church. And I mentioned to us that God is trying to reset the church to become missional. Three things. The missional church is a representation of the incarnational Jesus. Number one. It is a community of disciples committed to know God and to reveal Him, the character of God to the nations, to the last, at least, and the lost. It is not about doing more, but rather it's about knowing God in an increasing measure so that the church can represent Him accurately to the community with surrounding as well as in the nations. It is a community that's filled with the compassion of Christ to reach and to transform its community. Compassion and generosity is a forethought, not an afterthought. It is also a community that embraces both local and global missions. I said to us, the radical generosity to those within and outside the church was the modus operandi of the early church. It was something that was in the life of the church, that they were very generous to people. We went into the parable of the Good Samaritan, whereby we focus on the word called neighbor. We went into Matthew 22 to focus on the great commandment. And when Jesus was asked this question, which is the greatest commandment? See, when we use the word greatest, there's only one. You cannot have two. One is always the greatest. But Jesus instead said, love God is the greatest, and the second is like it, meaning it's just as great as number one, that is to love your neighbor and as you love yourself. I said that commandment one and two is two sides of the same coin. That Jesus is saying that if you love God, you must love your neighbor. So the question therefore is, who is my neighbor? We dive into the parable of the Good Samaritan. We learn that biblical thinking of the word neighbor is an action word. The question is not, who is my neighbor? Do I know this person? Is he a stranger to me? But rather, who can I be a neighbor to? Who can I be a blessing to today? Now, I also said that this is not a suggestion, but this is a commandment. The commandment to the church is that you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. I close off last Sunday with three questions. Amokyo Methodist Church vision for 2021 is home with a heart. How does this look like in your cell groups as well as, as in your personal lives, especially during this pandemic season? Question number two. What impacted you in the last Sunday sermon and why? Number three, who can you be a neighbor to? And I hope that from last Sunday to now, you have found an expression of being a good neighbor to someone else in there. This morning, we're going to continue with the series on the hospitable God. And I'd like to take you to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. Before we read the passage, Paul's letter to the church in Romans it's a church that he has never visited. He has never met them before. He wrote to them because this church has a, is a multicultural. There are lots of different types of people that is in this church and they have a little bit of argument, a little bit of disagreement amongst themselves. So Paul spent 11 chapters helping them to iron out the differences. And in chapter 12 is what we call the tipping point, the point whereby the whole thing switch, where Paul talks about laying down your lives and being a living sacrifice. It says that, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God 
for this is holy and is acceptable to God as worship. Now this word, laying down your lives as a living sacrifice to God as worship, is not talking about singing, but rather it's talking about loving your brother, loving your neighbor. And as you love your neighbor, you lay down your lives for, for, towards your neighbor. Verse 3, all the way through to 21, talks about how to do that. And this is one of those that's climax. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in your tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality. This word, practice hospitality, in Greek, it says philio xenia, which means lovers of strangers. From verse 3 all the way up to now, it's all about love within the church. This is the only part that switched the tone around that says now you are to love strangers. Now you are to welcome strangers and associate with people of a lowly, uh, of a lowly position. I'd like to share with you a story. This is YWAM Seamill in Scotland. This YWAM base looks like a mansion, yeah? Uh, it's like a Harry Potter's house, actually. Uh, it is about 300 years old, and I was there for two and a half months to do a leadership training course. For those of you who have been to Scotland before, it is a very gloomy place. Uh, this is in Glasgow, And so uh, the sun hardly comes out. And even if it comes out, it barely lasts for 30 minutes, and then it will turn grey, and then it will start to drizzle and to rain. So when I was there, within a week and a half, I was depressed. I'm so used to sun, right? So now it's, everything is gloomy, and it didn't help that my room was in the basement. And that was very dark, and it was very thick. And uh, the walls were very thick, and it feels like a fridge, like I'm sleeping in the fridge all the time. So whenever the sun is out, I would get out and just walk along the streets. And one day, I was hanging around the streets, and it started to drizzle. And as it began to drizzle, I was walking in the rain, in the drizzle. It was fine. It was kind of like a very light drizzle. I met this couple. This couple from that lives, they are local people in Scotland, in Glasgow. They saw me, came up to me, asked if I was new to the town. And so we tried out a conversation for about 10 minutes. And then they asked me, would you like to come to our house for a cup of tea? And I thought to myself, wow, this couple so bold invite stranger to go to the house, not scared that I might do anything to them. I mean, for those of us in, in, in Singapore, we, we don't invite strangers to go to our house, right? So I followed them to the house, and when they opened the door, a gush of smell hit my face. Not smelly. It was a smell of baking. Hit my face, and I was like, whoa, it smells really good. So I turned to the couple and said, wow, you just, you just baked something. You must be hosting someone that's coming to your house. And they say this, we bake just in case we meet a stranger. And I was that stranger. I thought to myself, wow, I've never met such hospitable people before. We bake just in case we meet a stranger. And you are the stranger that we have invited to our house. In the same time, when I was in YMC Mill, I was attending the leadership program. And uh, those of you who've been to Scotland before, uh, the, the normal staple, kabob, cups, 
is potato or bread and it's cold bread. And I just cannot. I'm a rice person and I must have rice, right? And so after a month or so, I was really feeling homesick. Rita Pretorius, she was the head of hospitality at that point in time. She came up to me and she says, I'm so sorry, Joe, that I do not know how to cook rice. Can I give you a treat? What, when you think about England, what snacks comes to your mind? I thought for a while, I say, uh, scones? And so she says, okay. So one afternoon, she invited the whole school to the lounge for the afternoon tea. We walked into the lounge and to our shock, she had rearranged all the furnitures and right in the middle of the lounge is a table with a basket of more than 100 scones. Surrounding it, freshly whipped cream, fresh brew coffee, and all the tables were arranged with cutlery with knife and fork next to it and a silver. And not only that, she had decorated all the tables and there were fresh flowers that was plucked from the outside, from the outdoor garden. And I turned to Rita and Rita said this, well, Joe is homesick and I thought I'd like to throw him a party to cheer him up. I thought to myself, who is this woman? Who is this woman that will go to such an extent to show hospitality? I sat down with Rita at this couch, listening to her story. Rita has been in YWAM now for about 30 over years. And I asked her to tell me her story. And she spent most of her time in a refugee camp in Thailand and Cambodia. And I asked Rita, Rita, what did you do in that refugee camp? She says, for a couple of years, I did nothing but washing bed sheets for the refugees. I said, you wash bed sheets by hand? And that was your ministry? What was the outcome of that? She says this, if you understand what it means to live a refugee life, it is really, really refreshing to sleep on clean sheets. And through that, I've led so many to Christ in there. So I asked Rita, Rita, what did you learn out of this time of washing bed sheets? She said this, I learned to treat everyone like I would treat Jesus. That line impacted my life so deeply. Learning to treat everyone like I would treat Jesus through hospitality. And since that point in time, my life and my ministry has been marked with just wanting to be as hospitable as I can, to show honor, to show a blessing, and to say that God loves you in a very practical and tangible way. The New Testament word for the word hospitality comes from a compound of two words, love and stranger. Hospitality has its origin in love for outsiders. Now, our God is a hospitable God. Consider the heavens and the earth. He created and filled the earth with resources and made humanity to dwell and to enjoy the fruit of the land that he has created. He provided manna, manna quail, and water for Israel to live in the wilderness. Jesus had many ministry moments in homes and over dining tables. The Last Supper, which is also a meal, and his instructions to do this in remembrance of him. The New Testament church was marked with hospitality as a discipline. Paul's epistles were marked with teachings about being hospitable to one another. Look into the book of Hebrews. It says that, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. 
for thereby some have entertained strangers totally unaware. Exodus 23 verse 9, you shall not oppress a stranger, since you yourself know the feelings of a stranger, for you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. So why hospitality? Well, number one, hospitality is evangelistic. Inviting the outsider and welcoming the unbeliever into our space in hope that we can bring Jesus into their hearts. The reason that this is no minor biblical theme is because streams of hospitality flow deeply from the well of God. Christians love strangers because we have been loved by the Father when we ourselves were strangers to Him. And welcome strangers should be quick to learn to welcome other strangers. We reveal God when we welcome strangers. Now, guess what? I begin to realize this. In Singapore, we have a very strange teaching to our children for those of us who are parents. How many of you here have said to your child, make sure you don't take any sweets from strangers. Make sure you don't take anything from strangers for the fear that the strangers might catch you and sell you to Galanguni. Say that to your children before. Can I say this? We inculcate fear into our lives that strangers are to be afraid of. Strangers are to be avoided. Strangers are, are there and, 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 and we are to avoid them at all costs. Yeah, we have heard of stories about that. But in general, in my experience in encountering with strangers, they are actually not that fearful. For those of us who, for YWAM who is in Geylang, we interact with strangers a lot on our streets and they are not fearful people. There are people who are longing to have conversations with those of us who have come from especially the house of God. John Piper preached this message in Strategic Hospitality in 1985 in August. He says, For the people of God in the Old Testament, the duty of hospitality came right from the center of God's character. I am the Lord your God who made a home for you and brought you there with all of my might and with all of my soul. Therefore, you shall love the strangers as yourself. You shall be holy as I am holy. Your values shall mirror my values. Number two, hospitality is transformational. The heart of hospitality is seeking the well-being of the guest. We seek to care for the physical, the emotional and spiritual needs. There's power when God's people are able to engage at both levels of being a master who sets up logistically and a Mary who pays attention to the VIP that's been invited to the table. Martha and Mary are again two sides of a coin. One attends to the logistical needs of what needs needed to be set up. The other one pays attention to the guests and makes sure that the guests are attended to in there. Some of you might have read this article in the Sword and Light. It was an article that was written about me. Uh, how it came about was because I preached this message in Pentecost Methodist Church. And one of the church members who works in Sword and Light wrote to me if she could publish this article. She transcribed the entire sermon. And after some editorial and asking for permission, I gave the, the permission to publish this thing. But she didn't, she, I didn't check through the title. I didn't quite like this title. It says, I was a failure, but my family gave me a home. And today, I'm the national director of YWAM Singapore. Uh, but, but that's what this article is about. And here's the picture. 
is the picture of the we family. When I became a Christian, it was Andy, the guy that's on the right side of this picture. He's wearing black in color. He has a little necklace uh, in front of him. He was the one that led me to Christ. Uh, Andy was my classmate in ACS, and he was the guy that taught me every bad thing that I've ever learned in my life. He's, he was a Christian at the point in time. And, um, and when I became a Christian, I came from a very dysfunctional background. Uh, family was not a pleasant place for me to be in. And I was one of those latchkey kids uh, that hang out in Orchard Road all the time and didn't like to go home. So even after I became a Christian, I, I still didn't like to go home. I just loved to hang around in church. And uh, the cell group was held in Andy's house. Now in this picture, I'm sitting next to Mr. Wee and Mrs. Wee. Because I was, uh, I was single, I was by myself. Uh, Andy has two other brothers. The family has got three sons and two daughters. And they live in a three-room flat in Topayo. Mrs. Wee will very often invite me to the dining table. They are not well-to-do. In fact, they have very little. But they were always welcoming towards me with the extra rice, or they will open a can of baked beans or luncheon meat just so that we could, I could be a part of the family meal. And one of the most powerful change that happened in my life was eating with this family. You see, in my own family, when we eat together, no one talks. If someone talks, it's because we're quarreling. But this family have lots of laughter and lots of conversation that goes around. And after dinner, they will sit together and they will sing songs. Mr. Wee is a musician and he will play the guitar and lead the family in the time of singing. The cell group was held in their home. And I remember at the point in time, it was a pre-air-conditioned days. When they sing, the entire block and neighborhood could hear. And people were streaming to the house wondering what is the wonderful sound that they were hearing. You see, before air-con days, Whenever you have cell groups, the whole neighborhood could hear what's going on. And that's what happened. Over time, Mrs. Wee said to me, Chin Lun, my Chinese name, why don't you come and stay with us? I did. I stayed for three years. I don't know any of you here will welcome a stranger to your home and live with you. I did. I stayed for three years. Thank God I was very small size and I eat very little, so I didn't occupy a lot of space. But I stayed with them for three years. During those three years, Mrs. Wee taught me how to cook. Mr. Wee taught me how to play the guitar. It was because I lived with them. They did no Bible study with me. All I did was just to spend quality time with this family. And as a result, I changed. I was so powerfully transformed in my three years with them. But guess what? This family had no clue that the boy that they brought into their home will one day become a missionary and speak to so many nations and so many thousands of people and will one day serve as the national leader of Iron Singapore. The family had no clue. It was my blessing that I get to preach about this before Mr. Wee passed on. And just to let this family know that the honour that they have in my life and in my heart. Shortly after I left this family, uh, by the time I was really working in the church, Chapel of the Holy Spirit, as a chaplain to the school. And if you look at this picture again, uh, you look at the word, un the we, and under the, the, the word we, you see this guy wearing red in color. His name is called Nelson. Nelson was a student in St. Andrews. And through my time serving in St. Andrews Secondary School, 
Nelson became a Christian. And after Nelson became a Christian, uh, he was living in a house, a, a five-room flat, all by himself because his mother was working in another country and the family uh, had, had broken up. They, are, they come from a divorced family. And so the mother came up to me and asked me, Joe, would you be my son's guardian? Would you move in together with my son? Because what I received from the Wee family, I now then moved into Nelson's family and I created a home environment for Nelson with cooking, with music, exactly what I learned from the Wee family, I gave it to Nelson. As a result, Nelson later on married the granddaughter of the Wee family. And together, they went overseas to do a DTS. And after that, they stayed in the outfield to become a missionary. Recently, a few years ago, the Lord led them back to Singapore. And get what, guess what Nelson is doing? He's now the chaplain for St. Andrew's Secondary School doing the exact role where I was doing, reaching out to the students where he had come from. And guess where they stay? They stay in the boarding house of St. Andrews, providing hospitality and care to the students who come to study in Singapore. You see, all of these things, we had no clue who we let into our homes and who we care for and who we are kind to. God is able to take the simple things that we do in life and turn it around and use it as a blessing to many people. The pulpit of God's message is not this wooden stuff. The pulpit of God's message has always been over a dining table, a bonfire, the creation and intentional conversations. Think of Psalm 23 and places where God meets with His people both in the old and the New Testament. All of us here, we love corporate gatherings. We miss coming back to church. God loves corporate gatherings too. But corporate gatherings are celebration of what goes on on the weekly gatherings in the homes. The home gatherings are is the church. The corporate gatherings are celebration. The corporate gatherings is where smaller home gatherings gather together to celebrate collectively together. But the heart of the church it's not in the corporate. The heart of the church is in the home gatherings because that's where lives are transformed. That's where we do lives. That's where we exchange lives. And that's where we see the hand and the power of God. Brothers and sisters, we must not lock Christianity into programs. We must see Christianity as a lifestyle within a community of relationships. I go back again to your theme for the year a home with a heart. In closing, I've got two questions for you. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart where God can initiate His desires? His desires, not your desires. Number two, is your home a place where God can be revealed to those who do not have a home? Who can you be hospitable to in the weeks to come? Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you, God, for who you are. You show us, God, that you are a God of hospitality. You created the heavens and the earth, and you put humanity in this, and you say, enjoy all that I have created for you. You provided resources for us, O God, as if that is not enough to meet our spiritual need, our spiritual death. You provided Jesus. 
You didn't just redeem. You didn't just fulfill our physical need. You meet our emotional need, our mental need, and ultimately our spiritual need. So that we, who are recipients of your hospitality, can in turn offer hospitality to other people. To meet their physical needs, their emotional needs, their mental needs, and their spiritual needs. I pray for you, Amokyo Methodist Church, that these words are home with the heart will not just be words for you, will not just be slogans for you, for they are meaningless unless it becomes your lifestyle. God is wanting to press the reset button over you. Would you let him? Would you allow him? I pray for you that God will transform and God will invite you to move from knowing him in your head to now knowing him in your heart expressed through practical living of loving your neighbor as you love yourselves. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.